0: The children of Israel was promised the promised land of Canaan. And they thought, oh, what a time when we get over yonder. But that's as far as they could go because Jesus had not yet come and revealed the true promised land where everyone will say, oh, what a time when we get over yonder. And the older you get and the more you walk with God, the more you look forward to that time over yonder. Amen. It makes you, It makes you, it's like the pastor said, it makes you want to live right, walk right, put away the sins of the flesh. And as the Apostle James, which was Jesus' brother, said in the uh, first chapter of the book of James, in verse 21, lay aside all superfluity and naughtiness and filthiness of the flesh and receive with meekness the engrafted word of God. That word, engrafted means implanted. And I, I'm not going to go into this but just this year, back July the first, they implanted a ICD pacemaker defibrillator, and uh, something that never heard of—sarcoidosis of the heart. I died on a boat, and God brought me back. Long story short, I'm here. Amen. 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 I'm here. I am here. Amen, and was I at every one time worried? Not at all. There's that quiet assurance. <laughs> There's that quiet assurance that you have. You know, if you're not walking right and something like that happens and you begin to wonder about your life, don't worry. He'll let you know what's there and what isn't. He'll let you know what you need to take care of or you have that quiet assurance that everything is all right. Amen. Amen. But the Lord is not through with me, expecting a miracle, God to move this completely and heal me, and kind of through my wife, and they told her, says, even when he dies, that thing will keep on going. i got the energizing bunny here. <laughs> keeps going and going and going, you know. Amen. But you know what I have that keeps on going? It will go forever as eternal life, the Holy Ghost. And I was thinking this morning in the prayer room and the Lord brought it to my mind when they asked the disciples, heard him praying. Chapter 11, verse one of Luke, it says, and it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he seized, one of the disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. You know, the, the Jews, they had prayers. They had prayers. They, they said prayers every day. But they never prayed. Prayed. They said prayers. You know, the public in the center was saying their prayers. There's a difference in prayers and the spirit of prayer. The Holy Ghost is the spirit of prayer. It's the spirit of everything that God is. The Holy Ghost is not contaminated by anything. There is no sickness in it. There is no disease in it. If there was, it couldn't do the work of God that we need done for us because it would be like us. But he said, when you pray, when you pray, not if, but when. It's a given. We cannot serve him and walk with him without prayer. We have no relationship if we're not talking to him. And prayer is not always doing all the talking and not listening. There's another type of prayer. There's meditation. Meditate. The word Selah in the book of Psalms and I think in the book of Amos, I saw it there. It means to calmly think about this. Sometimes we need to read and study, Pastor, and calmly think about what it's saying. Because then you can hear his voice also. Amen. And he said, when you pray, say, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. As in heaven, so in earth. Hallowed be thy name. Holy is thy name. Holy is the name of Jesus Christ. When he said, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. God is a word. It's a title. It's not a name. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Pastor is a title and not a name. I asked a teacher that once. I was doing a Bible study in a Burger King. I'd take my Bible and sit there and read, and people ask questions. I got a Bible study going. And I notice people get through eating. They linger, and they linger, and they linger, and they listen, and they listen. And we get into conversations. And I asked this teacher, I said, totally different from what we're talking about. The scripture, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, she said, that's not a name. She said, that's a title. She said, there has to be a name. But it was, says, in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, I've said this so many times to different people of different denominations. That I've done many Bible studies with just, I used to carry this one called A Place Prepared is Just a 20-Minute True and Answer Question Bible Study. It's quick and easy. And when it would come to that about baptism, I would say, well, it says in the name of the Son. So you know the Son's name? Sure, it's Jesus Christ. I said, so shouldn't they say his name? Well, now that you say that, sure. It's like simple, isn't it? But he said, Father, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Then Jesus, they asked Jesus in the, in the um, 17th chapter of Luke, in verse 20. And when he was de- demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not without observation. Now they thought Jesus was coming to set up a natural kingdom on earth. They were looking for the Messiah, and they believed he had come. They said, Now that you're here, when is the kingdom going to be set up? And he says, It comes not with observation, but the kingdom of God shall be in you. Behold, the kingdom of God is within you. How can you put a natural kingdom in a person's body or spirit? He was talking about the Holy Ghost. The scripture tells us in Romans that the Holy Ghost is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost, in the spirit. Amen. Amen. And as the pastor was talking about, when we're filled with that spirit of righteousness, that righteous Holy Spirit, we cannot walk no longer in the flesh. The word tells us to walk in the spirit. If we walk in it, we will not fulfill the desires of our flesh. Our desire, the scripture says, is to thy name. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. On the day of Pentecost, the pastor said it, second chapter of Acts, there came a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled all the house wherein they were sitting. And there appeared to look like tongues of fire upon the people. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit, as the kingdom of God filled them. Amen. And this is what Jesus has, was talking to them about. But when he says, The kingdom of God is within you. So what is God's spirit? What is his kingdom? He is. He is. What Jesus is, is what his spirit is. Because the scripture says that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And the word was with God. And I think verse 12 says the world was made by him, and not anything was made that was not made by him. And verse 14 says, and this word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The scripture says, talking about the Son of God, this baby that Mary was pregnant with, is Emmanuel with us, meaning God with us. But he said, his name shall be Jesus. He shall be called Jesus and he shall save his people from their sins. And this is how he did. He came, the only way that the kingdom of God could come is that Jesus come and die on the cross The sacrifice that no one else could do, that was not a corruptible sacrifice, amen, to save all of us. And so think about it today. The kingdom of God is within us. If you have the Holy Ghost, you've had the Pentecost experience, then you're filled with the kingdom of God. You're filled with everything that Jesus is. And as we begin to walk like him, everything that he is becomes to come out in our lives. When they saw what they were doing in the book of Acts, they said, we got to stop this. we got to stop these people. They're turning the world upside down with their doctrine. People begin to come out and say, what is this new thing? It's the kingdom of God. Amen. The Apostle Paul, their ISIS, their killer that was persecuting a church. Amen. And destroying lives because of the name of Jesus Christ. You know, Pastor The thing that he told King Agrippa, he said, I thought to do, he thought he was just getting, eradicating these radical people. But when he was converted, he realized he was fighting against the one thing they could never win against the name of Jesus Christ. It comes down to the name. We cannot get anything from God without speaking that name. That name has to be invoked in baptism, that name has to be invoked in prayer. Repentance and asking for the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And you know what? I'm going to sit down now and bring my precious wife, Vicki, up here. And she's going to bless you. And if you want this gift, you can have it. And it will happen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I feel
1: Jesus in this place. Stand to your feet and lift your hands and worship that lovely name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. It's all in you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel Him in such a sweet way today. He's walking among us. And you know when we come to visit, you get to hear from both of us. And I'm the storyteller. And I have a story for you today. Imagine that. I've been traveling now for 38 years telling stories. Jesus told parables. Stories. That's how he taught. It was an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So by the time I get finished you're going to get the the wow moment. And the wow moment is the spiritual meaning. But up to that point you're going to think she is giving us a lot of useless <laughs> information. <laughs> but just know I'll get there and I'll get there as fast as I can. I sure do love you. I have been able to be here with you for 22 years. This year, 22 years, and that has been a pleasure and an honor, and it also means something. It means that I'm old as dirt. (laughs) I had the big 6-0 in December, and I started thinking, wow, there are a lot more years behind me now than I could possibly have before me. And for about two seconds, I started feeling a little sad. And then the Lord said, no, remember, you're never going to die. Does that mean this old body's not going to die? No. If Jesus doesn't come, I'm going to be laid to rest just like everybody else. But I, Vicki Vernon, on the inside, my spirit, who I am, who you are, is never going to die. We're going to live for all eternity shouting around the throne. Hallelujah. If that doesn't make you smile today, you better get ready. You better get some Jesus. And some of you have not cracked one smile since we got here. Yeah, you've just been staring everybody down. This is a joyful place. We're not at the funeral home today. We're celebrating today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor Sobolchi, for allowing me this privilege of this pulpit again. I love you and Sister Dory, your family. And it's just wonderful to be with the pools, the ministry staff of this church, Sister Melissa, my longtime friend. I just, I can't call all your names, but I love you all. And I want to turn in a very unique way. To the scripture today I have a slide for my scripture the Lord brought this to my mind and we are looking at the very first scripture in the Bible then we're reading the very last scripture in the Bible so if you want to read the slide you can that's simple or you can turn there But the very first scripture says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. We know it continues right on and tells about all of the things that He made. He made everything. And the story begins right there. The story follows in this book we call the Bible. In 66 different books. What a story it is. And the last verse of this Bible ends with. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Revelation 22, 21. So from Genesis 1:1 to Revelation 22, 21. There are stories written of people's lives. Anything you want to find out about, the answer is right here. And just as this story was written, so is the story of your life being written. Jesus Christ being the author and the finisher. He's going to finish your story. You're not going to finish it yourself. He's going to finish it. He started it. He knew you before you were in your mother's womb. And you might want to write it your own way, but he's going to finish it. And I'm here to encourage somebody today that he is with you in every part of your life, every line, every chapter, the good and the bad, the rejoicing, the sad. He's there. He's right there with you. Hallelujah. And who is he that is with you? Well, it says God created. But you notice it didn't end with the grace of God be with you all. It ended with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Oh my. So God started the book, but Jesus is going to end it. two different ones? No. They're one. And Jesus is his name. Hallelujah. And he is with us from the beginning to the end. And his name is Jesus. Hallelujah. For your hearing today, a simple little message that God gave me and reminded me of. Entitled, The Fruit Cake. You may be seated. Brother Poole said, my wife said you're preaching about me today. Some of you haven't cracked a smile until... Till now. (laughs) I'm not even going to comment on that. (laughs) The fruitcake. Fruitcakes have gotten a bad rap. Is there anyone in here that likes fruitcake? Raise your hand. I like fruitcake. I like a slice of fruitcake with black coffee. Fruitcake is generally a holiday thing. Some of you are going low. I'm telling you, fruitcakes have gotten a bad rap. And I'm going to explain to you why, and maybe you'll want to give the fruitcake another chance. The reason why fruitcakes have gotten a bad rap is because they, years and years ago when they first made a fruitcake, they wrapped it in cheesecloth, and they had to keep it up in some kind of cabinet because they didn't have refrigeration. It was one of the earliest cakes ever made. And in order to keep that cake from molding and turning hard and where you could not eat it, they soaked the cake in rum. So people who remember early fruit cakes remember the bitter, very bitter taste of rum. Now the fruit did not overpower the rum. And so people got a bad taste when they tasted fruitcake. It made them very strong tasting. Fruitcakes are French in origin. They were made of candied or dried fruits, nuts, and spices soaked in spirits of some kind. Their earliest recipe goes back to Rome in the 1400s where they were made with pomegranate seeds, And they had sometimes some pine nuts and raisins mixed in barley mash. Talk about yuck. That's why some of you don't like fruitcakes, because you had one in the 1400s. (laughs) In the 16th century, it came to the American colonies, and it was made with candied fruits. And it became an American thing. Okay, but mail-order fruitcakes, where you could get them in the mail, came in 1913. They stopped soaking them in rum or bourbon or whatever, and they realized we have refrigeration, so let's make them a tasty cake with nuts and fruits, and it became a Christmas tradition with the red and green candied cherries. Now, you're getting to where you're, you're thinking you might like it now. Well-known American bakers are Collins Street Bakery, and that's in Corsicana, Texas. They still make fruitcakes and mail them out from there. And also Collins Street or Claxton Bakery in Claxton, Georgia. Now, the reason why fruitcakes are made in Texas and Georgia and in southern states is because of all the abundance of nuts. You buy nuts in warm climate. And that's why that's why you order them from the South. Henceforth, we have that saying: nutty as a fruitcake. You've heard that? She's as nutty as a fruitcake. That's where that came from, because they're made in the South. You're all smiling now. The traditional recipes are saturated, of course, with spirits and covered in powdered sugar, and that preserved them from mold. We have had cartoons mock the fruitcake all through the years, but fruitcakes are really a big deal. You know, there is a club that meets every year in January, and they have a fruitcake launch to see who can launch a fruitcake the furthest (laughs) by some device that they have created. And the the furthest was uh, 1,420 feet in January of 2007. And this fruitcake was launched by a bicycle-powered artillery device. (laughs) You're just gaining such spiritual knowledge today. There was a fruitcake baked in 1878 and it was kept as a family heirloom by the Morgan Ford family and they kept passing it down, wrapping it in cheesecloth, soaking it in rum and passing it down through the family. And guess what? In 2003, Jay Leno had a taste of that on national television. He's dead now. I didn't say that's so what killed him. <laughs> there was a 106-year-old fruitcake discovered in 2017 in Antarctica, and it's in an Antarctica Heritage Trust Museum in excellent condition. Fruitcakes. that got a bad rap. I don't want to eat one that was from the 1800s but I'm telling you right now, you get on Amazon Prime today and you can have one in three days from Collins Street Bakery and you just try it. I double dog dare you. It's excellent. The fruitcake. I have a fruitcake story for you today. It came back to my mind a story that happened in my home when I was a child. Every year, a fruitcake would arrive somewhere around the end of November. It would come in the mail. Dad would bring that fruitcake in the house, and it was a friend, a couple that my mom and dad were friends with that lived far away. And mom and dad would send them a fruit basket, and they would send our home a fruitcake. My dad would get the fruitcake out, and it was in a ring in a little tin, and it was so pretty, and pull the cellophane off and take out a little knife and cut little slices. It's very rich. You don't want to eat a lot of it, just a little slice. And pour a cup of black coffee. I can remember sitting at the table at six years old, and I would eat that little piece of fruitcake, and Dad would pour a little coffee for me in a little teacup. And at six and seven, eight years old, I was already drinking black coffee. I didn't really like the coffee. I didn't really like the fruitcake. But I had one thing in my mind as a little girl, as the baby of the family, I wanted to be like daddy so if you want to be like your heavenly father there are going to be some things you're going to have to start out doing that you're not going to like the taste at first you're not going to want to do pastor's going to tell you it's in the word and you want to get out of it but if you want to be like your father you're going to have to just take a little bit of it at a time and train yourself because eventually and it doesn't take very long at all you develop a taste It becomes natural and normal, and you even love it. And now I order my own fruit cakes, and I drink my own black coffee every day of my life in abundance. Imagine something you started out hating, that now you love. Dad would get that fruitcake. We would enjoy it from the end of November all through the month of December, almost daily getting a little slice of that and enjoying the fruitcake together. It was a tradition. This particular year, I'm still just a little child, and I hear my dad say to my mother, the fruitcake has not come. It's December, and the fruitcake did not come. I know, Elwood, I'm not sure about the fruitcake. Mom didn't really care. She didn't like it. But Dad cared a whole lot. A few days later, Louise, did you send so-and-so the fruit basket this year? Yes, Elwood, I sent the fruit basket. Well, we haven't gotten the fruitcake. They haven't missed a year in sending a fruitcake. We haven't gotten the fruitcake, and it's December the 10th. I know, I'm not sure, I'm checking the mail every day. Time is passing, Christmas is coming. I'm a child, I'm excited about all of the gifts and the festivities and the lights and the the Christmas drama at church and I get to be an angel and I've got all of these things going on in my mind. But my dad can't get away from one thing and I'm listening as a child to the conversation every day coming in from work. Did the fruitcake come today, Louise? No, no fruitcake. My dad, long about the middle of December, stopped asking. He stopped asking. But I noticed that there was something different that came over dad. I wonder why. Not did they send it, but I wonder why they haven't sent the fruitcake. What could possibly be the reason? Why is this happening to me? When we go through things in life and things don't happen like we think they should, and the Lord is not answering the prayer that we have been praying for a while, or the Lord is not delivering as usual, there comes a time where if you don't step into an area of faith and trust, you will begin to question. Questions can get you in a lot of trouble if you don't get the right answers. Questions aren't bad on their own, but it's when you begin to question God and his word and your walk with him and his faithfulness and you forget who he is and you begin to say, now wait a minute. I've been praying about this and we preach faith. Now where in the world is the answer and why isn't God delivering? And the devil sets you up for failure at that point. It is very unwise to question God. Very unwise. But it is a trick, an old trick that the devil has used. Why did God allow this in my life? Why did people say, why did God do this? Listen, anything bad in your life, God did not do it to you. He was there holding you. He is there holding you as you walk through it. Hallelujah. And it is in those times that we grow and God gets us ready for heaven. We all say, oh, I want to go to heaven. We sing the songs, the hundred-year-old songs. Won't it be wonderful there? Oh, I want to make it over yonder. When we get over yonder, we'll walk and talk and sing and shout. When we get over yonder, and we want to make heaven, and we say, Lord, don't let me be lost. And when something comes that's going to make us align with his purpose, that's going to cause fruit of the Spirit to develop in us, a moment in time where God says, not only can you trust me, but I can trust you. What about God trusting you with what he's given you? We want to trust him, but can he trust you? Will you continue to be faithful? Will you have a right spirit? Will you keep a right attitude? Will you walk with him no matter what? I want him to be able to trust me. And it's through those awful times when I don't understand that I just step into the realm of trust. And not only do I trust Him, but now He can trust me. Because I don't quit going to church. I don't sit back and not worship. I don't stay at home. I I, I don't talk against the Word. I I don't just appear and think I'm doing my, my service once a week. But I get out of my seat and I continue to worship even though I don't understand even though things aren't great right now that's when he can trust you hallelujah hallelujah it's just simple why why didn't the fruitcake come it always comes prayed for lots of people, and they've been instantly healed. I've seen cancers healed. I've seen broken bones mended. Lots of miracles. But now this time, God is using medical science. I don't know why my precious husband had to have a pacemaker defibrillator, why we had to walk through this. But am I questioning God? Oh, no. Because this is only temporary stuff anyway, this old flesh. (laughs) You can't threaten us with death precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of the saints we got to get this stuff right hallelujah that's questioning but then I hear something else Louise you sure you sent that fruit basket oh yes I, I sent it like always I've got the receipt where it was received well maybe they're mad Maybe they're mad at us. Did did we do something? Could could it be that they're mad at us? Have you ever thought God was mad at you? God's not doing this for me because he's mad. I messed up too bad, and and, and he's not going to forgive me this time, and God's mad at me. Let me tell you something. God's never mad at you. You can't do anything to make him mad at you. He doesn't get mad. Don't compare him to everybody else in your life. I mean, there's, there's stuff we could do. We can make each other mad. We could fall out with each other, but not God. Well, maybe they're mad. Maybe, maybe we said something last time we were together. You see, your imagination will step in. If the devil can get you to question, then the next thing he uses is your imagination. We get real paranoid Well, those people aren't talking to me at church. Well, they walked right by me. He didn't speak to me. Well, I'm not going back to that church anymore. They don't like me there. Sounds foolish when I say it, but how many people have left the church and left truth simply because they're offended over nothing? Their imagination offends them. They imagine something. Not even there. You want friends? Show yourself friendly. Quit waiting on everybody to come to you. Get up out of your seat and walk across the aisle, and you show yourself friendly. Quit imagining this stuff. Well, well, well. I don't. I don't fit in. You don't fit in because all you do is sit. You're never going to fit in if you don't get up and move around and come to the front and and, and get get out of your seat. Sit on the other side. oh you don't like that one I I leave leave my I leave my stuff on this one (laughs) what if the Lord packs out this building like he's getting ready to do then are you going to move what did I do why are they mad I watched my dad walking through these questions and now why are they mad and I'm a little kid you know you want a good answer just go to a kid That's why except you become as a child, you won't enter in. Because I didn't dare say it, but I'm just a little kid, and I'm thinking, why don't you pick up the phone and call them? Are you mad at me? That's what kids do. Why are you mad at me? I got enough kid in me. If I think you're mad at me today, I'm coming straight to you. Are you mad at me? Don't Don't be mad at me. I'm sorry if I hurt you. I'm sorry, kids. And then they're all playing together. Oh, no, not adults. We just like to use our imagination. The devil will fill it full. Pastor never talks to me. He talks to everybody, but he don't talk to me. Imagination, it's a lie. Stop it. You got to get it straightened out. Go to that person and say, you know what? I've been thinking this for a while and I got this in my spirit that you don't like me. Have I done something to offend you? Let's straighten this out right now. And then as a brother or sister, you receive that person and you wrap your arms around their neck and say, you know, I I have nothing against you. I love you. That's just the devil trying to mess us up. We're family. And then number three, he questioned. Accusation came in. And now I see dad mad. He's angry. He comes in it's December, 23rd. I don't care if they don't like us. We're not going to visit next year. They don't like us. We don't need them. A fruit cake. What are you laughing at. Some of you get mad at worse simpler things than that. I'm not going back to that church anymore. Music's too loud. Music's too soft. (laughs) Service is too long. It's not long enough. Wouldn't you hate to be the pastor where you have to make everybody happy? It's way too cold in there. I don't know why pastor won't run the air. I said if I was a pastor, I'd have a coat rack, a big long one back there, and I'd order sweaters in every color and every size. I'd have them hanging back there. Because you can't make people happy. Mad. We, we just, self-justification. Well, I deserve, well, we use this one all the time. Be angry and sin not. I'm mad, I'm just not sinning yet. Well, the Lord overturned the tables in the temple. What was his reason for getting angry? Because somebody didn't talk to him? No. Pettiness. Get rid of the pettiness. Jesus is coming. Whatever keeps you from standing up and worshiping, get rid of it. Whatever you got to get rid of, whatever trash you got to dig out to make your relationship with God one again. Where you can stand up and worship and talk in tongues and feel the power of God. Where you can go out of here with a testimony and tell somebody else. Hallelujah! Yanda yada Baba Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Dad's mad. He's not gonna see him anymore. He's not sending him a, a fruit basket next year. He don't care. And I'm a little kid. Like wow! Just go buy a fruitcake. I saw one at Walmart. <laughs> but it became intense and then dad had fallen out of fellowship with those folks it's over we're not mentioning them we're not mentioning the fruit the devil's not happy until you stop mentioning Jesus you stop reading his word you stop coming to church you're just done with the whole thing he's not happy until you get there fall out of fellowship He's going to work on you. Some of you don't realize you've logged yourself to sleep and you think it's okay if you just show up. But you're not in fellowship just because you're here. The, the demons come to have church with us to try to confound and confuse. But that doesn't mean they're all right. right. We have Christmas and it doesn't, it doesn't change Christmas. But it's just not mentioned. It's over. We've fallen out of fellowship with those folks. Springtime's coming. Christmas decor is put away. Boxes are burned and the toys are already old. And it's January and it's back to school. And as time begins to waste, as time does, it goes by so quickly. Now another season is coming. Winter is past. Winter in Ohio was icy and cold and lots of snow, especially when I was a child. And I remember springtime couldn't come fast enough because I was an outside kid. I couldn't wait to get outside to roller skate and ride my bike and, and to drink out of the hose, and I lived. <laughs> I couldn't wait to get outside, and springtime is coming. And the wonderful day that Daddy said, go get your boots on and and your coat and gloves and pull your hat on. It's still a little chilly out, but we're going to go outside today and clean out the flower beds because springtime's coming. Oh, what a great great word, springtime. And, And so I hurry, we eat breakfast, and I pull on my clothes, and we go outside, and Dad hands me a trash can lid. And he said, what I want you to do is get down there where the brick planter is. We had a big brick planter along the front. He said, and I want you to clean out all those dead leaves and the roots and get rid of all the dead because nothing can live without getting rid of the dead. So you clean all that out. We're going to get the flower bed ready for mom to plant her spring flowers. Dad said, I'm going over here on the other side of the door where the big bushes are and there's all kinds of muddy leaves and all of this up under there and I'm going to clean out all that nasty, muddy leaves and and all that. And Dad has his gloves on and he has a big trash can lid and and we're working together and Dad's whistling because springtime's coming. We're clearing out all of the dead. And and I mean, Dad filled that trash can lid with muddy, even still kind of icy leaves. And he dumped that two or three times before I got mine filled. That's how much yuck had accumulated over the winter. Dad is cleaning out and would you come give him some hope? Dad's cleaning out. And all of a sudden, Dad jumps to his feet and he exclaims, I mean, he yells, Vic, Vicky, get up. Come with me. Come on. We got, I got to show Mom something. Come on. And I jump up. And I'm following like a little duck right behind daddy. And he goes in the back door. He's hollering through the house. Louise! Louise! Mom comes running. What in this world? Is everybody all right? Yeah, but you're not gonna believe this, Louise. The bush right by the front door. I was cleaning out all the dead. The muddy leaves and the snow and ice. And there was a box. The mailman had pitched the fruitcake. And it slid on the doormat right up under the bush. Was dated November 23rd. Here it is, March. And the ice and the snow had packed around that all winter long and preserved it. And Daddy pulled out that familiar, beautiful Christmas tin. And he took out his knife and opened the lid and slit the cellophane and said, Louise, put on the coffee. (laughs) But something dead had to be cleared out. Because springtime doesn't come if it's smothered by the snow and ice and muddy leaves and debris and then you'll find that the Lord is always right on time and what you thought took him way too long and what you had been praying about and wanting him to do he was there all the time he was there all the time and had something preserved for you. And just waiting, waiting for what? The moment that it was time, waiting for your attitude to change, waiting for you to step into a faith realm because he doesn't operate in fear and accusation and questioning and doubt and unbelief and bad attitude and all the other fleshly things we do. He doesn't operate that way. But waiting for you to submit. Not my will but thine be done. Lord if you never answer it I'll not lay it to your charge. I trust you that I didn't need it. If you never heal me, I'm just going to go on until you take me and do my best to serve you and walk with you. What if dad had never cleaned the debris out? What if he'd become lazy? Well, I got the Holy Ghost and I've been baptized in Jesus' name. That was 42 years ago, and I'm just waiting for the Lord to come. That's lazy. You're supposed to be telling somebody else. You're supposed to be winning the lost, teaching Bible studies, bringing people to church, looking for lost souls. What if you become lazy? I'm not cleaning the junk out. We're supposed to be dying daily to this flesh repenting every day you get lazy and you don't repent what happens is you get used to the way you are and then it's everybody else's fault if dad had gotten lazy and never gotten out there that spring morning never really cleaned out ever again you know what would have happened maybe daddy would have died and the house would have sold because it eventually did and guess what somebody that wasn't lazy would have found the fruitcake But what if he didn't find it while the ice was still around it preserving it it would have been no good I want to caution you today and the Lord spoke to me, to me this, this nugget in the prayer room if you won't do what your purpose is to do for him he'll give it to somebody else because he's got to see this world won. And if you won't do it, he'll let you just sit and mold and he'll give your purpose to someone else. I don't want my purpose to be given to someone else. I want him to use me, but I gotta keep the junk dug out. I've got to live a repentant life. i got to pray through. When I get a bad attitude I have to correct it when the devil comes to me with accusation I have to recognize it and say oh no not today devil because I'm a child of God I got royal blood flowing through my veins I'm going to make heaven and I'm going to take people with me so not today I'm not listening to accusation I'm not taking on fear and doubt I'm not embracing unbelief I'm going to walk with God by faith and not by sight the fruitcake It was there all the time. Now what do you want from God? It's still there waiting under the bushes. (laughs) But you got to dig out some stuff to get it. Some of you will get up and run out the door and go have your lunch. But I'm going to ask you to stand with me today. If you have never spoken with other tongues, as the Spirit gives utterance, the Lord will fill you today. Don't leave without it. It's right there. We just got to clean out your heart. Clean out the dead. And let the life flow in. It's waiting for you. You need a healing today? Well, I've already asked. I've been asking for that for 22 years. I've been asking for that for six months. However long. What if today it's found? It's under the bushes. Don't stop asking. The story in the Bible about the people in the house sleeping. And the neighbor comes and says, Hey, I got company. I know it's the middle of the night, but I got company. Can you give me some bread? We're all out of bread over here. We need, we need some bread to feed our company. But he says, I'm asleep with my, my wife and children, and, and you're bugging me in the middle of the night to get somebody bread? You know what? That guy couldn't have been a good enough friend for him to get up out of bed. What's the Bible says, because of his his importunity his persistence when the guy rolled over went back to sleep he said I said (laughs) I need some bread get up give me some bread finally the guy said okay the Bible says he couldn't have been a good enough friend to do that for him oh no he's going to roll over and go to sleep but because he kept coming back and he kept saying I'm not giving up till my unsaved children are back in church I'm going to keep asking and the day will come that you'll find it it'll be right under the bushes by the front door So gather in. Bring your needs. Bring your burdens. Bring your cares. Bring your dirty hearts. Get out of your seats and make your way to the front and lift your hands right now. Come on, gather in, church. Today's the day of salvation.